Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to a very special best of the Outdoor Line. We've cobbled together some of our and hopefully your favorite segments from throughout the past year. We'll be back next week with regular live programming, but for right now, enjoy this best of the Outdoor Line. Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station and at seattlesports.com. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Rain Marine Electronics, and Les Schwab Tires. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. So, to say I'm fired up about this event, dude, I mean, this, this, this brings together two of my absolute passions in life. One of them is salmon fishing in Puget Sound, okay, and Husky football. Get to bring them both together in the inaugural dog derby. And here to tell us all about it is none other than UW quarterback, Sam Heward. What's up, Sammy? Morning, Sam. Morning, buddy. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? We're doing good. You're, are you working on your fishing fundamentals? Are you, are you working on that hook set and everything? What are you, what are you working on, buddy? Uh, hopefully you're getting ready for the oh, big yeah, derby in watching, July. I've been watching some YouTube videos, you know, you trying to get dialed in to go win this thing. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking no, forward to it. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. All my teammates are fired up. We've all been talking about it already. Um, you know, even though it's not for a couple more months, you know, all the guys – found out about it this past week have all been you know talking to me about it telling me asking me all these questions i'm like you know we're just gonna go have a lot of fun we're gonna go enjoy it and it'll be a great event well you know a little bit of what to expect you've been on the boat a couple times with with your dad damon and you know chasing some salmon and some crab around puget sound so just to get that part of it going again is going to be a kick in the pants but um the port of everett has opened up a whole big dock location and and uh almost uh you know and and almost an event uh float for us as well so this this is going to happen on the on the 16th of July which is right in the heart of our Chinook season out there and it's what I'm excited about is the chance for the fishing community to kind of express their support for the UW football program but also that the football program is willing to, you know, jump in a few boats and, and spend some time with, you know, some of their fans is, is, you know, that's really what I'm fired up about, Sam. Yeah, no, me too. And I think, you know, with the whole new NIL thing, you know, I was really looking for ideas um, to kind of do something that, you know, really symbolize and represent something that's unique to the Northwest. And, you know, what's, what's more Northwest than a good old salmon derby. And, you know, I know I'm excited. Like I said, my teammates and I are excited. This will be a great event. Um, I feel like, you know, we really wanted to do this the right way. And thanks to you, Captain Tom, and a lot of people associated with UW and Steinberg Sports, who's helping me run this event. You know, it's good. we're going to do this the right way, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I know you get a bunch of questions about NIL, and that's name, image, likeness. So this this event is going to raise some money for Husky Football NIL, and that's the website, huskyfootballnil.com. How does that benefit and help out today's student-athletes, Sam? Yeah, you know, obviously the whole NIL landscape has really changed college football, um, you know, whether that's in recruiting or just players being able to 
to make money off their name, image, and likeness, um, you know. But really, you know, for me and, you know, learning about this whole NIL thing, you know, it's not just an opportunity to, to make money for myself, um, but also to help give back to the community and put on cool events like this. Um, so something alongside with the NIL, I also created um, the Sam Heward Foundation, um, which is a little bit to help give that to give back to the community, you know, that I know and love. And, you know, a couple things how I can, you know, give back is just to local charities. Um, just started this this uh, foundation a couple weeks ago, so still kind of trying to figure out um, what all I'm going to do with it. But also another thing that I can do is help give back to some of my teammates as well. You know, obviously playing the quarterback position, we, we have the spotlight on us most of the time. And it's a lot easier, you know, for, for quarterbacks to, to kind of benefit from the NIL opportunity. So for me to be able to help do events, um, put together, you know, a salmon derby and and be able to invite some of my teammates as well to you know give them some love and to help them you know benefit from the name image like this also is you know super important to me and so you know I'm excited with the whole NIL thing I'm excited you know what's to come with it and all the cool things that I can do to help get back to the community but also you know use this as an opportunity to you know grow a grow a foundation for myself and and also build up you know my name and help and and start trying to you know make some money off it and do some really cool things in the community. Well, the first event is we're just limiting it to twenty boats this first time out. So I, I think that's and, I, and I'm pretty sure we're pretty close to halfway there to sign up for this event. We'll give this out a couple times. Go to go to huskyfootballnil.com. Um, I tell you what, we're, we're, we've got uh, UW quarterback Sam Heward on the line here this morning. And Sammy, you had one heck of a spring game last Saturday. It was your first outing, if you will, in the new Kalen DeBoer offense. Tell us a little bit about your new head coach, Kalen DeBoer, how he's fitting in with the squad, and what you think of the offense. Yeah, you know, I couldn't be more fired up when I heard the news about hiring Coach DeBoer. Um, I didn't know too much about him when I, you know, dug in and did some research and, and learned more about him. I, I was just extremely fired up. Um, I knew Jake Hayner a little bit when he was at UW before he transferred to Fresno, and, you know, I know he loved that offense, and he really lit it up. And, you know, I have I have nothing but a ton of respect for Coach DeBoer. I've had some just great conversations with him since he got here. And, you know, if there's one word that I could use to describe him, just super genuine. And he loves football, and he's pushing us every day. This whole staff, they really are pushing us. And it was a great spring. It's been a great, you know, past couple months ever since they got there through winter workouts and now through spring ball. And just the energy with this team, it's really exciting. You know, there's a hunger. There's an excitement for for this upcoming season because, you know, we have a lot to prove from, from last year. And, you know, I think that we've really put that behind us and we're moving forward and the best days for Husky football are ahead. And, and I couldn't be more excited with, with Coach DeBoer leading our team and, and for what's to come with Husky football. We're excited to watch you this next year, buddy. And of course, we're big fans of your dad and, and Brock as well. But we need to run you through some fishing terminology ahead of this big derby here because this is a big deal coming up. So, you know, you, no you need to talk to the guys. I mean, you need to know what a downrigger is, okay? And a flasher. Now, I'm sure you guys have flashers in the stands when you guys are, are playing, but this is a, a salmon-attracting device, okay, that the guys put down to, to attract the salmon spoon. Fish on, you know, when you, it's almost like scoring a touchdown. You get a fish on, you yell fish on, everybody puts their hands in the air like a touchdown. Yep, yep. But you need to run this run this by some of the guys, get them going, so they don't look like uh, complete. Uh, well, we're the ones that will look like the morons out there. We want you guys to look good out there on the water, and I'm sure you will. But this is a super cool event. I know Tom is just jacked up for this. I wish I was going to be there for this event. It's going to be 
they're going to be awesome. And uh, Tom and the gang there, the, the rest of the boaters are going to get you guys into some salmon because there's there's some good kings running through that time of year out in the Puget Sound, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be great. I mean, like I said, you know, my, my teammates have all been coming up to me. They're like uh, a couple from other different parts of the country, and they're like, oh, I've never been salmon fishing before. And they're like, gosh, i got to, you know, start doing my research and doing my homework and get ready for this event. So, <laughs> I love I mean, it. We're all – we're all excited. We'll be dialed in. And, um, you know, like you said, it'll be a lot of fun. Well, we could, we, we, you and I and your dad may get out and, you know, cheat just a little bit, right? We'll just, you know, practice. Maybe, maybe not necessarily cheating. We're just going to drill, no, right? It's not yeah. cheating. Cheating. Yeah. No, 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 no it's not, not cheating. Just, cheating. Just, you know, it's, no, we're, no, we're, we're doing, practicing. We'll be, yeah. yeah, we'll be practicing, doing research. Right. Research. Yeah. That's yes. what I meant to say. Yeah. And, and, you yeah. know, <laughs> it was important there to your dad that, that you're, that you're fishing on a 30 foot boat because, your dad said there, there's something important about what. Why is 30 feet so important to a quarterback? 30 feet. Yeah. What's 30 feet? Come on, man. It's a first down. It's pocket, 10 yards. It's it's 10 yards, dude. Come on. You got. You got that. You got the. You got just so much <laughs> space around you. You got to get 30 feet for what the first down. So that's what we got to do. We got to move the ball. We got to go catch some salmon. Let's roll. <laughs> oh man, you're going under your bus. You're under the bus when your dad hears this. That's for mm-hmm. sure. It took you that long for 30 feet, buddy. <laughs> no, man. I look forward to having you on the boat, Sam Heward. We appreciate it. The event is the first annual, the inaugural Dog Derby, July 16th, 2020, at the Port of Everett. Jump on to Husky Football nil.com hit the events tab jump on this event we're limiting it 20 boats first time out sammy can't wait to get you out in the boat again dude we're gonna get that rod of yours good and bent buddy yeah i can't wait to get out there thank you so much for for all your help with this and looking forward to it. it'll it be a lot of fun yeah thank no you. doubt See thank, you, buddy. thanks for your thanks time for today buddy. thanks a lot man. sam later sammy of course thank you Have right, going, guys. take care Bye. you're listening to the best of the outdoor line seattle sports station 710 and the seattle sports app from the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. You listen to the Outdoor Line of Seattle Sports 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Here's a segment from a couple weeks ago that I think you'll enjoy. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the RenaissanceMarineGroup.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. Well, I've been blessed to have this next gentleman in the wheelhouse, uh, Going on 10 years up in Sitka, and he's a little annoyed that we were late because you were slow with your reads in the Northwest Outdoor Report, Joey. I'm sorry, Brock. Brock Heward joining us this morning. Good morning, Brock. When I say the boat leaves the Ever Marina at 5, it leaves at 5. Not 501, not 502, Uh, 503. Okay, when I get asked to jump on a 725 segment, I'm ready at 724. Let's go. You you know you're dealing with amateur hour here, though, right? This is, you know, (laughs) we should rename the show The Peter Principle. You're getting promoted to one level Uh, above your your confidence. I mean, so so I apologize for getting to you late, but we'll keep you you late on the other end. So really screw up the rest of your day that way. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, at least I can do. How good is it to be back in the studio, boys? It actually is. I mean, it's the first thing I you know commented to, to Matt and Joey that after doing three of these, uh, you know, or, or three or four up in Sitka, it was to get the studio sound back. It's nice, but it just dude, and it just it, feels good to be back feels, in the studio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How did? Well, how, there's nothing like it. it's kind, kind of like your boat, Tom. Every time <laughs> I step on the sea beast, it's kind of the same thing. The Duckworth always delivers. This year was a blast. I got to uh, to fish with one of the Duckworth guys. Bruce is just a tremendous, tremendous guy and took some pressure off you by driving the boat up in Sitka. And I got to say, man, 10th time was – every one of them has been a charm, but the 10th one was just about as good as any of them before. So give us your – 
give us give us your uh, your your thirty to forty five second overview of of one Dory Monson's experience this time around. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Dory gave me the biggest hug. We departed uh, in the terminal there in Alaska. After we landed, we flew up and flew back together. And man, did he have some crocodile tears when he gave me a hug goodbye. Dory's getting pretty emotional in his old age, uh, and, and I'm not making fun of him because he is uh, yes, you he does are. that a bunch. But <laughs> yes, uh, but he uh, <laughs> but he he needed he needed that trip. He did. You you know you and I commented a number of times. I don't know how you do it, Dory. I don't, I don't. know how you live in the world you live in. I don't know how you function, reading and talking and discussing and debating the the lunacy of, of what he has to deal with on a daily basis. And he unplugged, man. He totally and completely unplugged from it all, and uh, was just was just on that salt. Was on beautiful North Pacific Ocean that was as good as it's ever not not as good. It was the best three day weather I have ever ever had up there. And those crocodile tears and that big old hug was pretty darn meaningful. It's it's life changing. It's. Um... You know, to go up there and experience Sitka, it's such a beautiful place. The fishing is fantastic. You're on what I think is one of the coolest boats on the water. And Tom is an amazing captain. He always puts you on the fish. It is it is a life-changing experience, and it's good for your soul. It will, it will will You will come home, and you will float around on a cloud <laughs> for about a month or two and slowly yep. start to descend, but you will be, it will change your life. It does. And then, and this has just been a constant staple. And, and you said Tom puts you on fish. He knows that those waters is, as well now, Tom, probably as you do the Puget Sound waters. I mean, you've been up there for three decades, and it is a gift that keeps giving. It's coming home, and I'm actually in Branson, Missouri, talking to you guys right now. Titus has a, a five-day tournament down here. Oh, how cool. Teams from all over the wow. country, man. It is incredible. It's so fun to to see all these kids and families, and it's and it's five ballparks they built. Replica Major League Stadium, no 12U kid. ballparks wow. down here. Oh, cool. uh, just amazing. Yeah, an amazing place. Place. But even more amazing was before we left a couple days beforehand, bringing fish to the four coaches, right? To oh, knocking on the nice. door and, and saying, "Hey, uh, just just trust me on this. Cook this tonight. You know, enjoy it." And to get the text back and say, "My gosh, that's the best salmon I've ever had in my life. Oh my gosh, that is the freshest halibut I've ever had in my life." So to give that gift to others when you get back, you're right, Joey. You're on cloud nine. You get you know, this amazing fish, you get to share this amazing experience, but then you get to give it to others, yep. which, you know, both of you guys are so generous with what you do um, over the course of, of a year, giving away so many of your, your goods and, and so much of your fish and so much of your product. Um, it was neat to do that and bless these coaches here. Oh, without question. And, and But one of my favorite moments of the trip was, was Dory on the dock holding a 75-pound halibut in one hand and a 25-pound king in the other. <laughs> Dude, well, was... let's be let's be Tom. Let's be clear. Okay, at the point he was holding it, it was not seventy five. <laughs> I told I told Joey that and showed him the picture, and and so at some point the the public will see this picture. But Joel Martin, our dear friend, at at his just he will hustle on the dock, and he he he, he makes a point of cleaning the biggest halibut on the dock. That's mine. I'll take care of that for you. And so when Dory lifted it up, the white side of the halibut had already been filleted off of it. So it looks like he's holding. The seventy. 
<laughs> it was just oh, it's classic. Oh, it's great. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's a doc trick. That's a pretty good little. It's doc a trick great doc trick. It is. Yeah, it's a great. Doc I almost trick. gave myself a hernia holding up a hundred and twenty five, a hundred and twenty <laughs> yeah. pounder. I'm thinking, yeah, no question. Next year, I'm going to have Joel carve off that white side. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, it was pretty sweet, man. And and Dory. Dory, the last time, this is the second trip, last time he didn't unplug, right? He, he did a show up there. He had two days of fishing. One of them we got blown, I mean, just physically blown off the water and off the dock. And uh, for him to just totally, totally, completely engage, unplug. And he said to us, he said, hey, I'm not going to just be a bump on a lock. I don't want to just be a total consumer and bystander. And by God, he got up. He's he did. Running the, he's running. Yes. He did. He was, he was halibut fishing especially, but he learned. You taught him some of the tricks. I was trying to teach him leverage <laughs> and, you know, and, and how to use your body and use it for you and not against you. And, man, he was he was all in on this trip. You know, Brock, one of the other things up there is the food. The food is amazing. You go out to dinner and you do this, you know, you bring in your catch. And um, But I, I know you... You enjoy some other of the food <laughs> items floating around, maybe some food items down on the dock when the halibut are being cleaned. Tell me, sure, what is a sure. halibut eyeball? What does that <laughs> taste like? Tell me about that dining experience. Oh. Joey, I am a savage. Okay? Yeah, I, don't know if I ever, saw the video, but yeah, ever, I know. If you've ever watched Bizarre Foods, Andrew Zimmern, who travels the globe eating the craziest things, I think I've seen... Uh, as many of those episodes as I've seen Meat Eater. So yeah. I, I enjoy all of that. And the eyeball, not as good as the cheek. I'm not going to lie. Okay, the, the it's in close proximity, but the, but the flavor and the texture is quite It looked quite like different. you were having a hard yeah. time like getting it in between your – like that thing's bouncing around in there pretty squirrely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was firm. I mean, you, I had to use the chompers to eventually pop that sucker. And, you know, it was some good plasma, some good protein. It was... Uh, the word you're looking uh, for was, is vit- was, vitreous humor is actually... It's not, yeah, not there actually, you go. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly. That's exactly. Uh, probably not do again. No. Probably a one and done on that mm-hmm. on that one. But uh, the cheeks, uh, sashimi and raw, oh, very, very good. Yeah. I so I, I cheated, dude. Uh, when when Dory Dory filmed this, and it's on Dory's Twitter, it's on the Outdoor Lines Twitter, it's on your Twitter too, Brock. I'm sure. But uh, I, uh-huh. I there was a there, there was a bottle of water on the you know I always have a bottle of water on the dock and I'm cleaning fish and yeah. I see Brock. I tried to chew it, couldn't get it to go. So I just give me that bottle of water. Phew, damn, it went it went downhole like a pill. Yeah, like, like a, pill, a vitamin, like a big horse pill, <laughs> big vitamin yeah, C. We got big vitamin. Actually, uh, yeah, but vitamin, vitamin A. The, uh, the and Brock, you mentioned your eyesight was better on the next day. Was that is there any truth to that rumor you were... oh yeah, yeah no question yeah. so tom basically we... you did with that link cod the picture that uh, is also uh, on the, on social media uh, you basically just opened the gullet and just put it down because uh, that was one of the funnier parts uh, i i wish i <laughs> i wish dory would have taken a picture when we brought up the last fish of the trip was a uh, we thought maybe it was the final halibut and a good size one because it's thought pretty good and usually those halibut you know it's a halibut because it's tugging and it's pulling down, and it wants to get back down. And uh, lingcod do that, but but this one was really doing that more than any I had ever caught before, and it's because it was the biggest one that we had ever brought aboard. And I didn't know what the specs were. I thought, <laughs> you okay, you didn't you you weren't 40. aware of the slot limit. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, I was. And I, I, I just, I thought for some reason, man, this is a big guy. He's over 40. He's got to be a keeper. So we, we get him up there. He's not bleeding. Uh, the hook comes right out. We take some pictures. Dory takes an amazing couple amazing pictures. And, and then I'm ready to bonk it. I go to get the, the little bat to bonk it because I'm a good bonker. And, um, no, it, it goes right overboard. Tom and he looks right at overboard. Brock looks at me and he's ready to, to hit me with the bonker. Yeah. Because he stands up with the bonker and I had just done the over the shoulder boulder throater, right? Yep. And just freaking yep. yeah, splash. And Brock looks at me and he's got the bonker. And I'm like, no, no, wait, don't. So the slot, in, 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 so in Puget Sound, you can keep a 26 to 36 inch halibut. In Southeast, where we fish, you, you, it's, it's got to be over 30 inches, but under 40. Or over, over 55. 55. So, and I was rooting, 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 but it came out at a little over, like 52 inches, dude. Yeah. This much. Yeah. And we could have kept. How cool are those big ling cod? Dude, they're, they're just the, they're one of the coolest fish we catch, you know? Uh, yes. They're one of the coolest to take pictures of, too, yeah. if you can get that mouth that, open, because it's just. It's just like a Jurassic Park animal, it is. you know, movie character. I mean, it's just nuts. And showing uh, some of the family last night, uh, there's a couple of folks that fish and, and a few of them in the Midwest that have moved. And they're talking about their, their bass fishing and their walleye. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I was just up in Sitka. And, you know, it's just almost embarrassing. The dog picture, like, what? what? And then, uh, yeah, and then the lingcot really usually draws the biggest gasp. Like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that thing was... As you said, over fifty inches, yeah. over four feet long, yeah, and was, man, it was just a it was over, just a monster. It was over fifty pounds, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was just, just that was yeah. great, dude. Ten years in, um, I, I I hope you're still speaking to me, uh, so we can so we can make it eleven on a brand new Duckworth next year. The uh, the Sea Beast Two is uh, is slated to arrive uh, around November. We'll get that thing rigged, and it'll be in the Seattle Boat Show come come January February. So I I hope. Uh, I, I hope you can join us again next year, and, and, and you always bring a different person, you know, e- every year. And Dory turned to me and goes, do, do I have to wait for an invite for Brock, from Brock to come back? <laughs> um, yes, you do, Dory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cruel to the last drop. Brock Heward, uh, of course, uh, now now a resident of Colorado and uh, makes, your, makes your travel in life as a uh, – College football uh, analyst and, and 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 USFL. You're doing are, you're doing a couple more USFL games, and that'll complete your uh, your season with USFL. Yep, right? yep. yep. A couple more. We'll have a, actually a playoff game, and the final will be out in Canton, Ohio, which is pretty nice. awesome. They built a really neat facility right next to the Hall of Fame, and I got to be out there last year for Peyton's induction and enshrinement. And so, yeah, it'll be neat. That will be two weeks from today will be the semifinal, and then the championship is uh, July 3rd, right there before the 4th, and we'll finish that off, and we'll get back to uh, doing a bunch of college football, probably a lot of USC, not going to lie. I think USC with Lincoln Riley, my little brother's actually on staff there, is is going to uh, hopefully get back the West Coast and the and the conference need it. I know Husky fans don't love to hear that. The conference is better on a national level when that's when one of the biggest markets in the country is good. And Lincoln Riley is very very yeah, good. It's... So you'll probably see a, a bunch of that this fall and and hopefully a Husky game and getting back to give you a big old hug at some point. Right, right, I hope so too, buddy. So uh, tomorrow Matt and I leave for the Queen Charlotte. So you, have you got any advice for 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 Matthew? You know because we're uh, we're doing the. If actually it's the first. Time time, Matt, that I think you've been up there since Brock and you and I went to uh, went to Haida Gwaii. 
So I, yeah, it, and it, which is well because of the you know because of the disruption, the lodge yeah. the lodge closed for a yeah. while. So so you got you got any words of wisdom yeah, for, for Matt what, on the what, boat? What kind of eye, eyeballs should Matt? Yeah, do you want to down? While do you want the there? halibut eyeball, Matt, or you want to go for a gill? Maybe start no, 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 start with no, no. something small, like a black rockfish eyeball. <laughs> Matt's not doing any of that. He okay? may. Matt is way too smart for that. But, Matt, you know what to do. He knows exactly what to do. The last time we were up there, hot tub, if the hot tub is there, <laughs> the hot tub is running, it's hot tub, right out into the right out into the cold waters. It's the it's the hot, cold mix. Polar bear it's plunge. perfect way to finish off a day of fishing up there. The polar bear plunge. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. He, he's looking for the helicopter ride, dude. Do not confuse it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. It's it's uh, it, it's our listener trip that's been delayed, you know, because of the disruption we've had, and so we get a lot of guys up there. And of course, you got to interact with with a lot of them, Brock. And and uh, maybe we can get back to doing that one of these days, too, dude. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you you uh, jumping on with us this morning. And uh, let me know when you're back in town, brother. Sounds great. See you guys. Thanks, Brock. Brock. You take care, buddy. Thank you so much. Brock, you were joining us, of course, the voice of uh, 710 for a long, long time with with Mike Salk, one of the best shows in town. Such a great dude. Yeah, and and so much fun to have on the boat. It was just just a kick. You're listening to the best of the outdoor line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Well, we can only carry so much of the information on this show, Joey. You know, I mean, sometimes we got to go to a specialized Central Washington correspondent, and that would be none other than Jason Carmel Macchiato Brooks. Good morning. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, morning, Jason. How you doing, man? Been a while. Hey, Robbo. Good. Yeah, hey. been a while. Good morning. What's going on out there, dude? We got kokanee trout, a little turkey hunting. We're putting in for for special hunts for next fall. Run, run us through everything, buddy. Yeah, and you know what's funny is, is with, with all that going on, even this morning, and, and I, I we do a pre-show stuff. I talked to Nelly yesterday and Joy the other day, but then I jumped on the computer. And do you guys realize that in, in the beginning of May last week, in the first three days of May, over twenty-seven thousand springers have already crossed Bonneville Dam. Yeah, I know the dam counts. <laughs> everything are crazy else going this on, week. it's like it's it's almost back. It's back in the nineties again. What's going on? I don't know. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's well, we had a day we'll take a, a few days ago. Seventy-five hundred of them went over the dam, man, and it's it's been they've been averaging you know four thousand to seventy-five hundred a day crossing Bonneville. It's I'm looking really you, good. It's going to be a good, good year. Well, yeah. get this. May May third on May third on May third. I have right here one thousand three hundred. And I'm sorry, thirteen thousand four hundred ninety-six. Boy, really misspoke. Yeah, thirteen thousand went over in one day. Like I said, yeah. it was back yeah. like back. Crazy. I think it was two thousand or two thousand one when we had twenty-six thousand go over in one day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy stuff going on. It's snowing in in April. It's it's seventy <laughs> degrees in March. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> so how do we? I mean, it's been it's still chilly. I mean, how do we attack these kokanee and trout in the lakes? I've been I've been talking to folks all week, off and on, up here in Alaska and and. and uh, whatnot that are down that way trying to catch coconut and they're like yeah one day we go out and just rope them and then these weird storm cells come through and god we're lucky to get a handful the next day how do you attack these these trout and coconut in these cold lakes buddy well, that, you know, that's just it. And the other thing on this with his, with his degree there in, in the fisheries is, you know, lakes are turning over. And normally this happens in March and in April. But then we get these hot days and these cold days and these hot days and these cold days. And that thermal climb just fluctuates. And then you got barometric pressures going on. But with kokanee, one of the big things that people tend to forget about is sunlight. They're real sensitive to sunlight. 
So when you have these bright, sunny days, they'll go deeper. And when you have the, the cloudy days, they'll come up a little bit. So where you found them yesterday, you might not be where you find them today in, in water depth-wise. And so you really got to pay attention to the sonar uh, for several different reasons. Again, that thermocline. Um, but then also with the sunshine of, of – and they'll move throughout the day. I mean, with the sun now getting higher in the sky, you know, noon, it, it, mid-afternoon, they, they'll, they'll be deeper. And then morning and evening, they'll, they'll be shallower. And if you notice, the guys who are doing really good on kokanee are usually the first light bite type people. They want to be there early in the day, get on the water. One, the thermals aren't kicking in yet regarding the afternoon winds like we're starting to get now. You know, in the summertime, it's almost consistent. Every afternoon, you're going to get a chop on the water because of the, the wind kicking up. That can vary your speeds, which is a whole other aspect of kokanee fishing. So if you're trolling at 1.2 miles an hour and a breeze kicks up and all of a sudden you're at 1.4, you're going to you're, you're might be going too fast, you know. There's so many different variables. You just got to go out and really be detailed and key in on what you caught the fish with and then try and mimic that the next day and find the fish, if that makes sense. And you any talk sense. about what you cut the fish with. You talk to a kokanee fisherman, you, you know, any kokanee fisherman, they're all using different stuff. You got their twinkle blades and their zippy digger little flies and their this thing and that <laughs> scent and the shoe peg corn. And some aren't using shoe peg corn and some using tuna. Some aren't. What, what's your program drill? What's your, your kokanee program, uh, buddy, when you hit the lake, man? So I, I always have an old school. I still, because we come for years on, you know, the leaded line and the, the gang trolls and those kinds of things. But I, I've upgraded a little bit, obviously. I go to the Max Allure flashlights because they're mylar blade and they're lightweight. I, I can adjust my depth by using different weights or even, you know, your downriggers. Um, and then I go to the double whammy or the derby winner um, or the old school wedding ring. The double whammy is a wedding ring with, with two hooks, which is nice. And then, of course, a piece of, of uh, choupé corn. Uh, I like to soak mine overnight in Pro-Cure's Bloody Tuna. And then um, uh, a worm, you know, a nightcrawler. Go out and, and pound the ground before the before the sun comes up and get the flashlight out and find the big nightcrawlers and, and take half that nightcrawler and put it on there. I always have at least one of those going. Um, and then I'll have the Dodger and the Squitter set up. With, again, the Derby winner, the um, a couple of different little squids that they have out, the Cha-Cha Squid from Max. Um, smaller, smaller uh, uh, Dodgers. Max came out last year with the 5.8, which I think is almost absolutely perfect. The 4-inch is sometimes a little small, and then your 8-inch is a little bit too big. The 5.8 is, is a great, great dodger to be out there. Um, and then short leaders, they're, they're a sock guy. A lot of people put way too long the leaders on. You know, like when we're fishing for the sock guy in the Brewster Pool, we're using 9-inch leaders. I'll go a short, short leader for kokanee and, and get that thing really whipped around back out there. Um, that's my go-to. Uh, you know, heavy scented. I, I run that Procure Bloody Tuna all over that Dodger as well to get that scent going. But that's those are my go-to ones. And, and when it comes to the kokanee, I think um, you mentioned speed and leader length. So I was out on Lake Stevens last weekend with uh, with my buddy Nick Pulley, uh, dragging some kokanee gear around. We weren't getting bit. We you know we jump on the phone, start working the network, calling guys. They said, "What what's your speed? We're doing one to one two. They said, speed up to 1.5. We sped up to 1.5. We shortened our leaders. We started getting bit. So guys yeah. got to remember that. With kokanee, it's very it's speed and leader length. Uh, not so much what's back there. You know, if you're running the, the little kokanee flies or the, or the wedding rings, shoe peg corn, it's more about your leader length and your speed, I think, than what's on the, you know, what's on the end of your line. And we've... 
And we found that exactly. We found out again. You know, they are the cousin to the sockeye. You know, they, well, they are a sockeye. It's landlocked. The point being is, is like it's a Brewster pool. To be that as an example, you can go out there with bare red hooks. You can go out there with a the red hooch. You can go out there with uh, you know some some red tinsel tied onto a hook. But it's that if you don't have, if you have more than a nine inch leader and you are trolling there like one point seven, you aren't going to catch fish. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It's a matter of of getting them to strike. Which means, you know, whatever that combination is, I, I, you know, if you looked on the sonar, I mean, Robbo's got some awesome videos on, on Coho out in the ocean and stuff on, on his Instagram. You go there and you see those fish, they come up behind that thing and they, they follow it for a while. They follow, well, they're, they're salmon, you know, uh, coconut or salmon, they'll come up, they'll follow it for a while. It's like, why aren't they biting? Why aren't they biting? And, and all of a sudden you do that, you know, the, the leader length change, the, the speed change a little bit, and that's what triggers them to go from following to biting. You're absolutely right. Or make some turns. You might even make a turn mid-swing there. Yep. If they're following, they might chase that absolutely. outside one that just sped up or the inside one. That, yeah. That'll give you a little key on Yeah, that'll on give you a little tip on whether you need to speed up or slow down. If you if you make that hard inside turn and that inside rod that is slowing down, your gear's starting to drop, they bite that, then you want to slow down. If they're biting the outside yep. and you're on the bend, speed it up, get cranked up, and, and move that speed around up and down. Outdoor writer exactly. Jason Brooks joining us this morning. Okay, Jason, we've made these guys talk about kokanee fishing. Okay, let's 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 <laughs> let's move back into hunting just a little bit here. And and so one of the things with this cold spring is guys do not have every place available to them to go turkey hunting right now. Well, there's there's still snow in some of those higher elevations, and that's truncating where some of these birds are going to be challenging some guys, especially on the opener, man. There was guys walking through snow on the on the turkey opener. Not, not They're so- having to wear white camo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So more coyotes than turkeys. Yeah. There you go. So so what's what's going down? How does this how does this uh, cool weather pattern affect the guys out there trying to get their toms? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. It's it's one of those anomalies where you're going to have to almost learn the game over again. For the opener, I actually went to Idaho with my son, and it was beautiful over there. I was looking at the weather reports back home over in the Chelan area, and it was it was like a 10-degree difference, which isn't thinking like much, but in the springtime it is. When when our highs were in the, the upper 40s and their highs were in the, the upper 30s, um, that's huge. And we were into birds all day, every day. I mean, we encountered over 20 birds in one day over there one time. They're dragging toms. We're not talking just clocks of birds. We're talking actually calling and scratching and getting them to gobble back at us and respond. But then I took my buddies back home, and it's like they're getting – it's nothing. It's nothing. Well, then the following week, I went to one of my hot spots over in eastern Washington, and I, I get out of the truck. It's 20 degrees out. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, no worries. And we're going along, and, and nothing and nothing and nothing. And uh, throughout the day, it got up to the upper 30s again, maybe maybe in the low 40s, and, and nothing. They just They just shut right down. So good news, bad news. Now that we're getting halfway into the season or close to halfway in the season here, um, because it was slow in the uptick, meaning that there should be more hens out there that haven't started nesting yet, um, you should have some really active gobbler activity. You should still be getting them to gobble, hopefully throughout the middle of the day. But the biggest thing, of course, is still finding the roost trees, and they're hungry. When it's cold out, like any other animal, they're going to be hungry. Um, now it's starting to finally warm up. So we're trying to get more back into the normal swing of things when it comes to the breeding. I mean, they're, they're birds. They're done by light, but also, you know, you can't really have a nest full of six inches of snow either so it's it's one of those really weird things where if you can intercept the birds that's always a go-to tactic if if some reason they start shutting down but you know where the roost trees are you know where the feeding areas are and you can get set up to intercept them coming to and from regardless if they're they're breeding or not you're gonna you're gonna get birds now it's gonna be a matter of 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Joy. Well, and then now you just turned your turkey hunt into a, a deer a deer hunt or an elk hunt, <laughs> yeah, right? And yeah. and guys talk about that. Once they once you can't get those birds to come to the call, but you know they're there, like you said, Jason, you know where that roost tree is, you know where they're going to feed, get back, use your binoculars, find those birds, and then turkeys are pretty easy to get in front of. You know, if you if they're moving yeah. from feeding to their roost, you just get in front of them and and you get in their path and they'll walk right to you. But that's the key, Joey. So you see, the thing is, is people don't realize that, like you said, you treat them like, like a big game hunt. But what happens with deer and elk a lot of times? People chase after the animal, right? You just hit the nail on the head. You have to get in front of them. You have to, you have to intercept the bird, and you have to get set up and be very still because they got great eyesight. If you try and catch up to a turkey, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> but if you get out and you okay, I see them, or they're kind of heading down this ridge line. They're going down towards this or that, and you can get around the, the point and get in front of them. Like you said, they'll walk right to you. As long as you stay still, they'll walk right to you. Hey, hey you Jason, get, if we you if... intercept them. If we know you, you are all over the special hunt uh, process going on right now. The application <laughs> period's open through May 19th. Uh, seeing any changes this year? Anything new coming up? Anything exciting or anything? Any any big letdowns too that 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 uh, hunters might might see next fall? What are you seeing, buddy? Well, yeah. I mean, if you open up the elk page, you, you look at the bull tags. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, I hate to use the word a joke, but it's it's a joke. Um, but the thing is, is, is Idaho all just opened up on May first as well. So I'm looking at their uh, draws versus Washington draws, and you're right. I'm already all over. In fact, I've already put in for myself and my son. Um, in Washington, the thing that people need to remember about Washington special permits are they are not a tag. You know, in Idaho, when you draw a special permit or a special hunt, it's an actual tag. Your tag is good for that unit, that hunt only. The benefit, the one benefit that Washington has over Idaho, people think you're crazy for saying this, but the one benefit that Washington has over Idaho is it's not a tag. It's an additional opportunity. Your tag is still good for the general season, but now you also get to hunt this extra hunt. You get to have this extra time frame. You get more time in the woods. So if you start looking at it that way, it'll change your perspective on what hunts you put in for. A lot of these people put in for the big buck or the big bull tag, and they want this one unit. I want this one hunt. I've been putting in for 25 years. I've got 25 points. It's not fair the guy with four points got drawn. And you get all mad. But then you look at this and go, okay, what other opportunities did you forego to put in for that hunt with 4,000 other people? Oh, look, there's a, there's a hunt, you know, literally down the road with a muzzleloader that the odds are way better on, and you have an additional four or five days around Thanksgiving to go hunt this hunt, but you decide not to look at that because you're so stuck on this one area and one hunt. Look through the regs, look through and redefine success. If your success means go out and kill a big buck or bull, hey, go for it. Good luck. I, I wish you all the power. Those animals are still there, by the way, during the general season. You just need to work a little harder for them. But if your definition of success is spending more time in the field, less people to compete with, and possibly filling the freezer, Washington has tons of opportunities. You just have to go out and look for them. And you almost have to reverse engineer the regulation pamphlet. You go in and yep. read when things open, when things close, to your point, Jason, when different weapons options are available, and and just that flexibility you mentioned, whether it's 
you know, maybe you're a modern firearm guy. It's not that big of a transition to shift over to muzzleloader. Today you've got 209 primers. It's not like you're going out there with a flintlock, right? You have you exactly. have you have ignition systems that are close to the weather and peep sights, dog on it, and some of those muzzleloaders can reach out a lot farther. And this ain't your dad's muzzle stuffer at all, right? Oh no, they're different. No. They're 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 a great weapons choice and not a difficult transition if you're a modern firearm type of guy. But but Jason, it's your point is so well taken that that we tend to get fixated. I want this big bull in this unit at this time with the, with my weapon of choice, and just that flexibility opens up a whole nother realm of, of of options and possibilities to you. Plus the fact that you can put in for a few different hunts in a second, third, and fourth choice in a lot of different units. Go to wdfw.wa.gov. Go to the licensing page. And start reading through some of these hunts and educate yourself. You have two more weeks before the the, the special permit hunt ap- application passes, and you have plenty of time to do this. But it's going to stand in your stead and give you a bigger opportunity this fall. There's also a bunch of websites Absolutely. out there you can use, like Go Hunt. Yep. Um, great resource. They're going to kind of help you. You can punch in what you're looking for, what you want to hunt, in what state, and it's going to give you a bunch of options. Yep, exactly. And again, redefine what your definition of success is. You know, going out and spending time with your family or your friends and just walking around the woods with nobody else out there with the opportunity to fill a freezer, to me, is way more important than getting than drawing that big buck tag and going, look what I killed. Well, yeah, you got off of a road because it's mid-November, you know. I mean, that that to me means way more than, than any inches on the wall or any anything like that. But that's my own personal take on things. But no. Washington does have some good opportunities still. So you are one of the most prolific outdoor writers that I've ever had the pleasure of making the acquaintance of. And, and what, what do you have coming out these days? Are you, you, uh, what's, what's, your, what's your next article coming out, Jason? Uh, well, I've got, I've got one coming out in the American Shooting Journal National Magazine on, on plinking to become a better shot. Basically, you know, with all the different, with the ammo shortage we have out there and the opportunities with twenty two long rifle and even your pellet gun, how you can improve your, your becoming a shot, improve your accuracy, both in the hunting world and the competition or just a general uh, self-defense um, by plinking and, and different drills and things you can do in order to become a better shot that way and still save money on ammo and, and save your, your ammo for when you really need it. Um, and the same Steelhead Journal. I've got an article coming out in Westport Salmon. It's going to be coming out next month um, regarding that fishery for the summertime. It's going to be a great fishery this year, especially with the coho that they're talking about coming back. Um, Northwest Sportsman. I've got tributary springers. You know, I started off this this, uh, this show today or the segment today. We're talking about the springers. Um, that article highlights all the different tributaries that you can fish that come into the Columbia River that are actually still open that you can that have a good run this year, and then also ocean halibut. Uh, that's going to be coming up here this next month and going out there and catching some halibut and some flat sides out in the ocean. So there's so, that. And then the real life with uh, Northwest <laughs> 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 We can know. take up the rest yeah. of the show figuring out what Jason's going to be writing about. <laughs> no, kid, buddy. He's busy. Jason, thank you I'm for your time, buddy. We, out there. Yeah, and, and, and listen, dude, we need a blog on the outdoor line, too. So come on, let's get let, let's get that spooled back up. Come on. You got it. This week I'll get a blog up and uh, we'll recap some of the stuff we hashed out. And good luck, guys. Rob, have fun in Alaska, buddy. Can't wait to talk oh. to you get back this fall. Oh, thank you, man. I'll try to check in from up here, man. It's always always great to hear your voice, buddy. All right. Have a great weekend, Sounds Jason. Good. Sounds good. See you, brother. Later, Jason. Right. Take care, guys. He's Jason Brooks. You can find his byline just about everywhere around, uh, around the western United States. No question about it. You're listening to the best of the outdoor line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app.